This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Hello and welcome to Savor, production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have an episode for you about horseradish. Yes. <laughs> I'm excited about this one. Uh, and you had a particular reason for suggesting it that I was unaware of. Yes. Uh, as as this episode comes out, uh, tonight is the first night of Passover, the, the Jewish holiday of Passover, uh, celebrating the Exodus, which we mentioned in uh, our last episode, because Easter and Passover are all kind of weirdly tied together. Yeah. Um, and and horseradish um, is a traditional, at this point, part of the Passover Seder plate um, as a bitter herb to remind us of, um, of the bitterness of enslavement. Right. And I have been fortunate enough to be invited to a, a friend's Passover dinner once. And I think they were very sweet. Everybody at the table is very sweet to me. And they were like, you don't take part in this part. You don't have to deal with this thing. <laughs> so I, did, I didn't I did know this was a, a piece of it. Um, 
But the, I find it very fascinating. I love this kind of like symbolism behind the foods that we eat and why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, I, I really, I really love a Passover seder. I'm, I'm not particularly religious. Um, I, my, my, the Jewish side of my family growing up was not particularly religious, but, um, but we would have a Passover seder every year that, uh, my, um, one of my grandmother's cousins would throw, and it was a large, lovely family affair, and we would, we would do the whole thing. We would do the whole reading and participation it's it, it's it's really wonderful and it's still um it, it still has a very nostalgic place in my heart I it makes me so happy whenever my friends and I get together as adults and manage to pull off a Passover Seder um and uh and I remember very clearly hating horseradish as a child um because I didn't it was too bitter for me and too hot um, and and given that now hot and bitter are two of my favorite flavors, like there had to have been sometime, you know, like when you're it, like it's really true, like your taste buds are developing over the course of your childhood into adulthood. And so is your brain and all kinds of other cultural associations of, 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 of taste. And uh, yeah, at some point the switch just flipped and I'm like, yes, just <laughs> give me give me the jar of prepared horseradish. <laughs> I will just eat that. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, see, I don't know that I've ever had it kind of just straight grated horseradish because I do love I love similar flavors to horseradish. Um, like I love wasabi. OK. Uh, I love horsey sauce, which I try to get to the bottom of for this episode and we're going to have to do a different. That's going to be a different thing. Um, I okay. bet I wouldn't like it now, but who knows? Maybe I would. Um, and it it was, I will say, the one flavor Birdie Bot's every, every Flavor Beans that I would gag on. That was the one, oh. for some reason, I could not do it, even though I do huh. like that flavor. Um, I gave my mom a Bloody Mary kind of, like, mixed package for Christmas. Okay. And one of the, the Bloody Mary flavors is horseradish. And we haven't tried any of them yet. We're going to... We're gonna taste. We're gonna taste them all this weekend. We said in like little shots. Ooh. See how it goes. <laughs> okay, and then and then perhaps create your own Bloody Mary mix, your own ultimate. Yeah, okay. that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. No, I love this idea. Mm -hmm. um, oh yeah, no, I I love I love horseradish and um, in like a like a creamy sauce for a steak, um, or in cocktail sauce for shrimp. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting lost in my thoughts yeah, already, Lauren. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put, put a little bit on some oysters, some raw oysters. Oh, oh yeah. Yes. yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, also, you can see our previous episodes on wasabi, right, and kale and cauliflower. They're all kind of related. Um, also on Bloody Mary's. Oh, oh gosh. I'm so excited. I'm a little nervous because my mom, she can handle some spice. I don't know. Well, I'm intrigued to see how it goes. We also have a sriracha flavored Bloody Mary. Huh. That one I'm like, I don't know. Between the horseradish one and sriracha <laughs> one, I'm curious which is the one that's going to be a little too hot for her. But we'll see. Okay. Maybe neither. Who knows? Yeah. All right. But in the meantime, I guess that brings us to our question. Sure. Horseradish. What is it? Well, uh, horseradish is a type of root vegetable that looks like a like a big pale carrot 
and tastes like the angriest carrot you've ever met. Uh, just like the, the the mad Dracula of carrots. Um, it's like a carrot knows what you did and wants you to suffer. Oh, no. <laughs> Well, another character for the dunker, but also I'm imagining a scene where it's like <laughs> me on the bench getting <laughs> examined by the jury or whatever, <laughs> and it pivots to the carrot, to the, the horseradish, and it's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's all, that's all they need, and I'm convicted. Yeah. Well, dang. Mm. Harsh. Mm. Very harsh. Horseradish. Harsh, harsh but fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, horseradish is not related to carrots, um, but belongs rather to the uh, to the big, beautiful brassicaceae family, along with everything from broccoli and Brussels sprouts to cabbage and mustard. Um, uh, horseradish is a herbaceous plant that me- meaning a soft, soft and tender. It grows these big, broad, leafy greens above ground that look uh, look like large mustard leaves. If you've ever had mustard greens, they look very similar. Um, and below ground will develop right this this long, tapered taproot, um, which is a sort of storage system for sugars and water and everything else that a plant might need to get through a lean, cold winter so that it can bloom and seed the following spring. But instead, we dig up those uh, those creamy white taproots and eat them. Yep. 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 Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're uh, perhaps commonly um, about six inches to a foot long. That's like a third of a meter, um, but can be apparently several feet long like a wow. couple of meters i i'm not i'm not positive that's what i've read i have not seen evidence hmm. anyway um the leaves are also edible i'm not sure how often they're used it is a winter crop the taproot part um harvested from september through april in the northern hemisphere anyway um it's labor intensive still largely planted harvested and processed by hand um luckily perhaps a little goes a long way in terms of flavor unless you are my roommate jed who will just pile on pile on the horseradish really truly spectacular tolerance i don't understand (laughs) well yeah good for jet (laughs) (laughs) um it is generally grown not from seed but from um propagations from last year's crop you um you plant a a a root cutting the plant's true roots are are these spindly little things that grow off of the taproot and a new plant will grow um and the flavor is a kind of vegetal fresh and uh, bitter and a little earthy sweet and and pungent hot, um, like eye-watering. Like it just grabs you by the by the bridge of your nose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and let's talk about that spiciness. Okay, so we've talked about this before, but um, it is super interesting. So when we taste things that are spicy hot, it's because that food contains compounds that trick our nervous system into thinking that we're coming in contact with something that's like actually alarming in some way. Um, in the case of horseradish and other brassicaceae plants, it's a family of compounds called isothiocyanates, um, aka mustard oil. And these compounds trigger some of the nerves in our bodies that that sense chemical irritants, um, possibly the same ones responsible for the pain of immune inflammation, like in arthritis, and the um, the like hot itch of poison ivy. Uh, mm. 
And these are slightly different from the nerve receptors triggered by chili peppers, which um, which sends thermal heat. Uh, black pepper triggers both. Anyway, uh, also interestingly, horseradish does not actually contain isothiocyanates when it's grown and harvested. It contains a precursor to these compounds. The, the mustard oil only develops when the root is cut or crushed or grated, thus breaking open its cell walls um, and creating this enzymatic process that turns the precursors into the stuff. So once you cut into horseradish and start this process, you can stop it and stabilize it using something acidic like, like vinegar. Um, stopping it pretty soon, pretty quickly, will result in a mild horseradish preparation. Um, letting it go a bit will make it a spicier preparation. And letting it go for too long um, will let those chemicals change yet again and the flavor will go bitter. These particular receptors are... In, in our faces, uh, concentrated in our nasal passages, which is why that's where like wasabi and horseradish really hit you. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I had a wasabi incident the other day. And <laughs> oh, yeah. Ooh. Oh, I love a wasabi incident. <laughs> it was great, but there were tears. There was oh, lots. yeah. It was going. <laughs> oh, no, it's real. It's real. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, and this is another one of those like culinary masochism things because plants like horseradish likely developed this capacity um, in order to prevent mammals from eating them before they could propagate. But we decided that we like that. So suckers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a both sucker situation. I yeah. Guess. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. No, we did it to ourselves and to mm -hmm. them both. Yeah. Um, <laughs> horseradish is uh, commonly used as a condiment, um, sometimes blended with something creamy like mayonnaise or sour cream or something acidic like a tomato based sauce um, or, or ketchup or uh, or vinegars or lemon juice. Also used to season soups and stews, uh, meats and seafoods and vegetables, um, savory drinks like vegetable juice or Bloody Marys um, and often outside of Japan and very good Japanese restaurants, um, the wasabi scare quotes that you get with your sushi is horseradish um, that has been dyed green. Uh, wasabi is related, but distantly. Yeah, that's why I kind of hesitated at the top when I said I like those flavors because I've probably had horseradish definitely as wasabi. Right. But it's not actually... It's confusing. <laughs> it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, and you can you can see our right, you can see our wasabi episode for more on that. Wasabi is a slightly different flavor. Um, mm -hmm. but but definitely related. Yes. I'd, I'd say that horseradish is a little bit harsher. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Um, well, what about the nutrition? You're usually not eating enough to make a huge difference, again, unless you're Jed. Um, <laughs> but uh, but horseradish does contain a few vitamins and minerals, um, other micronutrients, a bit of fiber. Um, if you're watching your caloric intake, it provides like a huge flavor bang for your caloric buck. So that's cool. And those isothiocyanates are being investigated for a bunch of potential properties, um, including antibacterial and anti-cancer properties. Uh, however, definitely on this one, save our motto, um, <laughs> before you ingest a medicinal portion of anything, consult a doctor who is not us, um, because bodies are complicated and more research is necessary. Um, also like 
like it's still a chemical irritant. Like, Mm. so if you ingest enough of it, you could probably irritate your your mouth or stomach or something like that. So, yeah, that I feel like it would be miserable to really push the the boundaries on this one. But again, see Jed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> some people just like that. That's it. Uh-huh. Some people like it. Uh, well, we do have some numbers for you. Oh, we do. Um, as of 2011, anyway, um, the United States was processing some 24 million pounds of horseradish root into some 60 million gallons of prepared horseradish every year. Um, prepared horseradish being grated horseradish that has been right stopped with uh, with vinegar or some other acidic solution, um, as mentioned above. Uh, for our metric friends, um, that equals nearly 11 million kilos and about 23 million liters. Wow. I feel silly translating things in, in from... from <laughs> Uh, U.S. to metric because mm-hmm. at that at that level because I'm like it's a lot it's just a bunch yeah. I picture yeah. like a bunch mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what you got mm-hmm. anyway um, at that time around 2011 um, a single company in Southwest Illinois um, just off the Mississippi River was providing almost half of all of that wow. um, and that area as a whole apparently provides nearly two-thirds of the world's supply of horseradish. Wow. <laughs> wow again. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Um, huh. There is in the area, um, in a town called Collinsville, an international horseradish festival every um, like late May, early June. This year it's being held June 3rd and 4th. It is in its 35th year. Um, its website says that it has seen 185,000 attendees um, cumulatively over the years who have tossed 6,000 roots. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. That is that is the natural response to that. I right. I went qua and uh, <laughs> and dug dug deeper. Uh-huh. So I think that this is a contest that that's just the farthest anyone can hurl a horseradish root. Every year. Um, as of 2010, the festival record was 165 feet 10 inches. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, the winner in the senior division that year said, and I quote, having the best shaped route and getting a good bounce is okay. is what's important. Oh, I like this. You gotta have a strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's yeah, the bounce. It was an underhanded. I think you. Oh. It's a bounce and a skitter. I think. Oh, I That's love it. That's the idea that I get. <laughs> a bounce yeah. and a skitter. <sighs> um, the <laughs> the festival website does recommend that you um you know either enter yourself or root for others. Huh? Classic. Huh? <laughs> Classic. And there was a lot of good news coverage of this. Mm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. <laughs> At the festival, there is also a cornhole tournament, a uh, a, a pageant, Little Miss, Little Mister, yeah, um, a Bloody Mary contest, a root derby, which is like a pine wood derby, but you with the cars carved from horseradish roots, yeah, yes, and um, and root golf, wherein you carve a golf ball from a horseradish root and you try to hit it closest to a pin. Oh, it's so spectacular! Yeah, yes. <laughs> Um, 
you can also um, uh, uh, get fresh ground horseradish on site, which is apparently pretty much the only opportunity you will ever have to buy it like that directly from the growers. Ugh. Yeah. Another festival added to the list. Yep. Well, yep. listeners, you know the drill if you've been. <sighs> oh, my goodness. I <laughs> need to know so much know. more about this root toss. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> yes. What is your strategy? Right. Mm-hmm. And the derby and everything. Okay. Anyway, um, it, it you know, th- this did not spring <laughs> from nothingness. There is some history here. There is indeed. But before we get into that, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at San Diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, we'll boot it! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Jean, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. 
Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So... Historians believe that horseradish is indigenous to Eastern Europe um, and that it has been cultivated for around 2,000 to 3,000 years. Um, ancient writers like Pliny and Dioscorides both mentioned horseradish, albeit under a different name. Again, confusion with names. Mm-hmm. Time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's long been used medicinally. And in fact, as far back as 1500 BCE, the ancient Egyptians were using it to alleviate the pain of sore joints. I also read that it was used in ancient cough syrups um, and as treatments for tuberculosis and rheumatism. Um, uh, fitting in with the arthritis thing again there. Um, and uh, early Greeks used it for back pain and as an aphrodisiac. You beat me to it once again, Laura. Uh, I think that's like twice in like uh, the, what, how many years have we been doing Saver? Twice yeah. too yeah. many. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm very curious how it was used as an aphrodisiac, but. Uh, oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. <laughs> like it would sting, but. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, hopefully this was this was an oral preparation, some kind of. Mm. Hmm. You know, we'll never know for sure. I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of name confusion, uh, early Renaissance writers wrote of horseradish as well under a different different name. Uh, the origin of the name horseradish is the source of some very spirited debate. Hmm. Many argue that it comes from the German word for sea radish and that the German word for sea, mere, was probably mistaken for the English word mare, meaning female horse, horse radish. Um, maybe. Mm-hmm. Stories more firmly in the realm of legend suggest that the name comes from the shape of a horse's genitalia. Yeah, I don't. Uh, no, anyway, um, uh, <laughs> either at any rate, um, the plant was indeed being called horseradish in English by 1597 when it was listed as such in a book of medicinal plants. And yes, there is a long and interesting history of horseradish when it comes to Jewish Passover. Um, yeah, as you said, Lauren, the meal eaten over Passover is very symbolic and includes bitter herbs. Um, in some places, this was lettuce. And the first known mention of horseradish as the bitter herb in question didn't occur until the 14th century when a Talmudic scholar wrote, when lettuce is not obtainable, it may be substituted with horseradish. Um, this was in part due to the difficulty of finding lettuce for Passover in some areas. As more Jewish folks moved um, from Central to Eastern Europe, many of them started to prefer horseradish to lettuce, even when lettuce was an option. Maror, the Hebrew word for bitter, derives from the same root of the word used to describe it, the embittered lives of the enslaved Egyptians. The horseradish or other bitter things is meant to, yes, symbolize the bitterness of those enslaved. Um, By the 16th century, there were at least two distinct leaf types of horseradish that had been identified. By the 17th century, horseradish sometimes accompanied beef, fish, and oysters. 
And it was pretty popular among the working classes um, through Central Europe, um, up through Scandinavia and out to the British Isles. I feel like a lot of the foods that we talk about, a lot of the spices in particular, have a history of being um, of, of mostly appearing on wealthy tables um, around this time. Horseradish was uh, something that more people had access to. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I wanted to include this piece I found, <laughs> this little snippet I found from Culpepper's English Physician, which was published in 1798. And it's written in really old timey language. So please bear with me. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. <clears throat> the juice of horseradish given to drink is held to be very effectual for the scurvy. It killeth the worms in children being drunk and also laid upon the belly. The root bruised and laid to the place, grieved with the sciatica, joint ache, or hard swellings of the liver and spleen, doth wonderfully help them all. The distilled water of the herb and roots is more commonly taken with a little sugar for all the purposes aforesaid. Oh, that was a fun one because the S's and were switched with F's. Uh, yeah, so or a, a, a very similar, right? Uh, type. The history of typesetting is a whole other podcast for sure. Oh my gosh. And I want to listen to this podcast. <laughs> that sounds amazing to me. <laughs> yes, but clearly used for a lot of medicinal purposes still at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, German immigrants um, to the American Midwest in the late 1800s uh, brought horseradish with them. And according to Scientific American, horseradish led the way for the wide adoption of packaged goods. Um, so let's okay. unpack. Yeah, let's unpack that okay. theory because yeah. I also had questions because uh-huh. I feel like we've said that about multiple ingredients. Um, <laughs> all right. So English and German societies used horseradish to flavor potatoes, cabbage, bread, beef, and fish. And yes, it was also viewed as a medicinal product. At the same time, it was difficult and time-consuming to make. It involved grating the root, encasing it with spices and vinegar, and sealing it up. I read a lot of really fun accounts about how, like, people would try to stop crying when they were making it, like, their little strategies about making it less miserable. Um, So these resulting jars of horseradish were unappetizing in color. Like, they didn't look great. Yeah. Inter Heinz, and yes, that one, who realized that customers, women in particular, would recognize a product that saved them time. Um, When he was in his teens, he started making his mother's recipe of horseradish and bottling it in clear glass so that the insides, you could see what was in there. Um, He sold this product to grocers and hotel owners. Heinz was growing three and a half acres of horseradish to supply for this demand, generating $2,400 in 1861, which is about $93,000 in 2012 money. Okay. Um, And with this money, Heinz was able to buy his father's brickyard and made the decision to shift to food production in 1869. Due to an influx of workers in the area, Heinz took on a partner, opened a factory, and hired two women and a boy to make and package this horseradish product. Uh, And for the logo, they settled on an anchor. Huh. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting, it's an interesting story in theory for sure. I can see, I can see, definitely see the angle of like the importance of packaging and making something look appealing. Uh... Yeah, I think a, lot, a lot of things are at play, but yeah, I can see the importance of that aspect for sure. Oh yeah, sure. Um, and uh, at, right at the time, um, glass jarring 
for for canning purposes was less popular, way less popular than um than than cans, than metal cans. So mm-hmm. yeah. A product offered from 1915 called Lancelot's Iodinized Syrup of Horseradish came with this description. An old but highly esteemed French preparation extensively used by and very beneficial to scrofulous, lymphatics, rachitics, syphilitics, etc. Also a tonic, stimulant, alterative, deobstruent, and diuretic remedy. Ooh, that was a difficult one for me, Lauren. Yeah, that that's a lot. That was a lot of words. Olympics. That <laughs> um, I tried to stick the landing, but uh, you let me know if I did or didn't. No, I think I think through the magic of editing, that came out perfect. Andrew is the best. He really is. He really is. He puts he up really with us. Is. Oh, my goodness. Yes. As we always say, thank you and we're sorry. <laughs> In 1932, popular company Gold's Horseradish was formed. They have a really interesting history. I'd love to come back and revisit it later. Um, so this company was started by two Jewish immigrants from Ukraine and Romania named Hyman and Tilly Gold, who peeled the roots and filled and labeled the bottles by hand. Story goes that Hyman bailed his cousin out of jail after he got into a fight in exchange for his grinder. So he was like, I'll get you out of jail, but you got to give me this grinder. Oh. And the rest is history. Wow. <laughs> right? Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, skipping ahead to 2011, um, that is the year that the International Herb Association named horseradish the herb of the year. Ooh. Mhm. Mhm. And um and then as of 2019, harsh weather in the American Midwest was creating a horseradish shortage. Um not because the weather killed off the horseradish, but because it was literally trapped under early snow and they were unable to harvest it. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. So it turned out okay, but like just at the at the time they were like, well, it snowed in October. That's it. Okay. <laughs> That's the end of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad it worked out. Yeah. 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 Um, and this was a fun one. I definitely want to get my hands on some some horseradish. Yeah. Um, I um. Oh gosh. I I know that I know that growing up we had like actual horseradish roots on. The Seder plate sometimes, um, but I cannot for the life of me recall if I've ever worked with one in, uh, in, in adulthood in my own kitchen. And so now I'm really curious because, right, like we are like a, like a pro horseradish household. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I usually have jars of the, of the prepared stuff in the fridge just for any given horseradish emergency. But, um, but now I'm like, Oh, what about the fresh root? I bet the fresh root is so much more punch you in the nasal passages, <laughs> which we like. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I love it. I love it. Humans are so weird. I know. <laughs> yeah. So we'll have to be on the lookout. Um, and I guess that is what we have to say about horseradish for now. Yes, uh, but we do have some listener mail for you. And we are going to get into that as soon as we get back from one more quick break for a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. 
Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, we'll boot it! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastor on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Jean, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with Listener. That's what happens when I eat wasabi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I feel you. That's, yeah. yep. Mm-hmm. I think I just triggered, like, an actual <laughs> response <laughs> in my body. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you listeners, you know what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we have some more messages about instant coffee. I love this so much. Yeah. <laughs> 
Tim wrote, I just finished listening to the Crystallized Instant Coffee episode and have a bit of a side trip I would like to offer. Take a look at Jot Coffee. It's brewed, super extra strong coffee that comes in a small 6.8 fluid ounce glass bottle. You mix a tablespoon with eight ounces of liquid, water, milk, etc., and you have a cup of coffee. I use a scale to measure mine out so I don't have a spoon or measuring cup to wash. I just pop a cup glass thermos on the scale and measure everything by weight. Ooh, that sounds nice. And you know I love avoiding extra dishes at any, at all (laughs) cost. At all cost. Uh, Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Also about that episode, um, Jenna wrote, when I saw this episode's title, I thought of my dad. He used to drink Sanka and it grossed the rest of us out. There was just something icky about it, even though I was a child and never drank coffee of any kind. I've been a drip coffee gal who is all about the flavored creamer. My one brush with coffee semi-snobbiness was a roommate with a French press. And now, big reveal, I'm drinking instant cappuccino. You may not even consider it coffee, but I'm quite happy with it. Older and lazier, I guess. (laughs) Oh, I understand. I used to, I know I've said, I used to do like a French press every Sunday morning. Yeah. Not anymore. Oh. Some Sundays morning. <laughs> Some Sunday mornings, but now it's much more of a special occasion Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, me too. To me. Oh, goodness. Right. I think I used to do all of my coffee by French press at a certain point. And mm-hmm. that is absolutely not what I do anymore. <laughs> nope. And I, I know... You know, I've gotten called out on this a couple of times about missing a Seinfeld reference. I can't recall. My brain is a little foggy, but there's definitely a quote about, I think it's Sanka, where somebody's trying to please somebody and they're like, would you like my French press coffee? And she says, Sanka, like only Sanka. They just keep like not having what she wants. Listeners, somebody probably knows what I'm talking about. There you go. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I I, I didn't look at the look up the pronunciation on that one. So um, uh, I'm not sure how I said it or if it's different from how Annie just said it. Um, It could be either or. Okay. Um, But in my, in my sitcom brain, it's Sanka. Um, I trust your sitcom brain. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. That stuff sticks in there really good. So I know whether I want it to or not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Thanks to both of those listeners for writing. If you'd like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at saverpod. And we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening. And we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. 
Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at San Diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wooden! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene! Run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.